0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal of Phil.
1: Marca Mesut Özil. Centra Chamberlain.
0: Is Arscast Extra? Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog, James. A goodly morning to you. Goodly morning to you too. How you doing? I'm all right. I had a nice weekend. Uh, I saw Mark Hughes was very unhappy, and that made me happy. Mm, yeah,
1: it will do. I mean, I think that's sort of all you need really to, to set off the weekend. I tell you as well. Before we get onto Arsenal, I saw a guy score for Udinese in their match against Lazio. And I think Arsenal's entire transfer policy has to shift immediately to sign this man. His name, extraordinarily, is Kevin Lasagna. Kevin Lasagna? Yeah, his name is Kevin Lasagna. And I'm convinced that signing Kevin Lasagna is the key to us usurping Tottenham once in the Premier League. Wow.
0: Amazing. Him and if we could bring in Bob Bolognese as well. I I like the look of him. He's a good player too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Bob
1: Bolognese, that would be nice. What a strike partnership. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've literally just seen that now. Kevin Lasagna. Wow. I think that might be my favourite footballer name of the of the moment
0: yeah there are some good ones there have been some good ones down the years but that is certainly in the modern game one of the best Kevin Lasagna I mean Kevin is is he I I assume he's Italian is he I I guess so. I'm I'm giving
1: him a quick google now but he must be Kevin Lasagna an Italian footballer 25 years old who plays for Udinese as a striker there's a YouTube video this will shock you called Kevin Lasagna the future of Italy Wow. I well, believe he, that he yeah. could be. He'd love, it. He'd love a Derby goal, Kevin yeah. Lasagna. But um, <laughs> yes, anyway, and Arsenal, what a strange old football match we saw yesterday.
0: What a strange old football team we are at this moment in time, aren't we? It's really, uh, you know, I was I was texting somebody yesterday, a, a friend about this game, and uh, he, he sort of texted me beforehand going, come on, and I was like, I think we're going to get a pretty low quality game. And I think in many ways we did, get a low-quality game. Mm. I was just expecting something a little more dull, something a little less interesting. And as it went on, it was um, it was eventful. You couldn't argue that there weren't uh, things for us to talk about today. A lot went on.
1: Definitely. I mean, you know, when, when we kind of ended up in this position where our Premier League fixtures began to feel somewhat inconsequential, I feared for the podcast, I thought, Well, what are we going to talk about, you know, every Monday after the weekend? Isn't there going to be enough to say other than just previewing the Europa League matches? But you couldn't Complain, could you, about the the content we've been given to dissect? There, there was a as you as you said, there was enough.
0: There was definitely enough in yesterday's game. Yeah, yeah, there was. Now, team selection. It was interesting to see that Reese Nelson got a start, handed his first uh, Premier League start. We kind of hoped and thought that this might happen as the Premier League games went on. That as the focus turns to Europe, there's no Aaron Ramsey in the squad at all. Yesterday, for example, the manager is going to pick and choose his teams a bit more carefully. Leaving the door open for uh, for events like yesterday for Reece Nelson to get a start. Were you pleased to see that?
1: I was. I mean, it was kind of inevitable because with Mkhitaryan injured uh, and Ramsey likely to be left out, you know, we're not we're not inundated with options in those attacking midfield areas. That's unusual for an Arsenal squad. But mm. I, I was pleased to see him start. Um, and, and, and if he is going to sign a new contract, I think he needs that encouragement, doesn't he? That he is going to get opportunities in the Premier League, which is what really counts. And, and with these fixtures meaning less and less, uh, I think I think it was the right decision. I, I I thought it was possible we might even see more changes. I thought we might see Hector Bellerin get a rest. I thought Petr Cech maybe. But Arsene doesn't like to go too hard on the rotation. He likes to keep a few senior heads in there to try and maintain some kind of consistency of results. Mm. I, I guess that was in his thinking too.
0: Yeah, 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 it was. Uh, and it was a it was a weird sort of a performance from us because the first 28 minutes, we didn't have an attempt on goal. One of the things that this team has been good at recently is scoring goals, creating opportunities. And within the first 28 minutes, all of the chances went to Southampton. We had something like 77, 78% possession at one point I was looking at it, and they had had four or five attempts on goal, and we had... None whatsoever. And when the goal came, the early goal, well, early-ish goal for them, I don't think we could have been surprised in any way. There was, my voice is breaking. Um, the The warning signs were there, weren't they? They had been a bit threatening.
1: They had been threatening, although I, I, I think maybe we have a, a right to be a bit surprised at the... <laughs> The quite extraordinary manner in which we conceded the goal. I mean, we we had looked sloppy and careless and not quite focused at the back. Mm. But I think when when you look at the goal that we did concede, I mean, that was true all across the back four, really. I mean, in a build-up to, to it, you know, Chambers is quite static when a guy goes past him on the outside. Kolasinac is very casual in terms of allowing a cross to come in. And as for, I mean, Czechs, to be honest, very, very slow getting down to the shop. But as for what Mustafi's doing, I I mean, well, it, it, mm. it beggars belief.
0: Mm, okay, well, if we're going to talk about Shkodra and Mustafi, I think we need a soundtrack. So I'm just going to play this bit of music here now. So... <laughs> 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 so... Uh... I think
1: he should come out on the pitch with his own, to his own music like that. I think the team should come out to, you know, whatever it is, right here, right now, and then Mustafi comes on to that. It seems the only appropriate thing. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, I, I just don't know um, what to say about Shkodran Mustafi, actually, because... It's it's bizarre because we see uh, times where he defends really well, he's aggressive, he, he wins the ball well, he's switched on. And then there are other times, like yesterday, when it's like the first time he's ever defended or he's been told, hey, you're a center half, Mate, you're not a, we need a center half emergency today, you're playing back there like, I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Mm. Like the lack of concentration there for the for the Shane Long goal. I, I don't think it should be um, glossed over that Shane Long has scored once in his previous forty seven games for club and country. That's one goal in forty seven games. And I saw them reeling out that stat uh, during the game uh, before kickoff. Actually, they were saying, "Is you know his scoring record has been bad." And I was going, "Well, you know if that." doesn't ensure that he scores a goal today. If we are not the most generous team in footballing history, that we could uh, allow somebody to get back on track. You know, if it's not a team that's playing shite and we do something that makes them play well, if it's not a goalkeeper, who's had a terrible run of form and we make him look like, you know, the best goalkeeper of all time or a striker, who's been in the shits for 47 games, one goal in 47 games. You just knew that we were going to give him, <laughs> we we're going to give him that chance. And Man. Uh, you know, he just completely switched off. The thing for me was turning around afterwards and going like, oh, come on, like, you know, it was someone else's fault. I don't know how he has the balls to do that. It's amazing. Well, the only way in which that could be
1: in any sense justified is if he is if he got a shout, you know, from Czech that it was his. But looking at Czech, looking at the fact that he doesn't move at all and looking well, I- at his consternation when the ball ends up past him mm. in the net. I can't believe that's the case. And and also, check, you know, it's not really his ball to come and get. I mean, it's just such straightforward clearance for, for Mustafi to make. He lets the guy just run completely across him. I I, I can only put it down to a complete lack of concentration. Mm. And I know our minds are elsewhere, but he does that in big games too. I mean, look at the look at the Carabao Cup final by way of example mm, yeah uh, you know he just completely switched there in a cup final and this was a similar kind of error i mean you're right he can have good games mustafa he can have games where he looks bullish and aggressive and uh, athletic but he just lets himself down with these these huge huge errors and and i <sighs> I think I felt the kind of collective patience of the Arsenal supporters breaking yesterday in the Emirates Stadium. I think there was just a sort of sense of oh dear this we, we need to replace this guy in the summer.
0: Yeah, I mean there is that. I mean the the question is 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 the fact that he can play well a sign that there's something more there that we could get out of him or is the fact that he keeps making these Errors And they're not just small errors, as you say. I think you're right to point to the one in the Carabao Cup final, which was just, I don't know how to describe it, other than amateurish, because it's the sort of mistake that you should not make as an experienced player. If you're a 20-year-old kid, maybe that's how you learn. But when you're 25, nearly 26 those are the sort of things that should be out of your game right now. And these are basics. These are basic parts of defending that he just doesn't seem to be able to produce on a consistent basis. And that ultimately is what what separates a, a very good player from just an average player, right, is the is the yeah. ability to produce on a consistent basis. And if you keep making mistakes and there's a consistency to your mistakes, I think we have to look at that as that's part of his makeup. That's part of his um overall package i guess there's no point talking about can we get rid of these mistakes it seems we can't because those mistakes are there in many different circumstances, in many different games, in many different variations and varieties, he is like the. You, you remember those little um, packets of cereal you used to get? There'd be an eight-pack of Kellogg's cereals. You get a Ricicles, mm. you get a Cocoa Pops of uh, Corn Flakes, a Frosties, uh, an All Bran, and you know three others, and they came in these little individual serving packages, right? Little mini, yeah, little, the variety pack. The I variety remember pack. them well. That is what he is. Except every one of those packs is a mistake, and that's where he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, it, it, I mean, also look at the, the week that we've had. I mean, the goal we conceded, in CSK Moscow. I think he has to be held largely accountable for that one too, for sort of clearing it up in the air across his own box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he you know, we talk about our Europa League chances, and we talk about. Yeah. Potential concern over David Aspino dropping a Rick. But to be honest, Mustafi, if you look at the numbers, is the man most likely to commit a major error at the mm. back. And uh, it, it is a, it is a worry. I, I just thought, you know, I, as I say, I hopes I could write this off as a lack of f- focus because this is a Premier League match that didn't matter enormously. The problem is that the same things happen with Mustafi, whatever the situation, whatever the occasion. And maybe that could be coached out of his game, maybe. But I don't think that's going to happen under the current management. So, no, no, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 was, it was a really exasperating performance from him. And I didn't think, to be honest, this was his only bad moment on the day. I thought he had a pretty poor game all around.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Um, but I suppose what we can give credit for is the response of the... Uh, attacking side of the team, which had been up to the 28th minute pretty toothless. And I was wondering what was mm. going on or how we were going to get back into the game. You know, Nelson, Reese Nelson, I thought, had a tidy enough Premier League debut, but uh, Arsene Wenger said afterwards maybe he was a bit inhibited. It is a step up. It is a big level uh, to to go up. I don't really see there's any need for for criticism of him, but it's difficult for perhaps for him to make the kind of impact that he wants to make, you know, on his first Premier League start. So I'm not saying we were toothless there, but I think his uh, his desire maybe to be a little bit safety first on his Premier League start uh, played a part there. Alex Iwobi took a little while to get into the game. Danny Welbeck similarly But we saw the three men, I suppose, who who contributed to the win the most in terms of the end product. Obamiyang, Iwobi and Welbeck combined very well for the first. Obamiyang dropped deep to pick up a ball from Nani, played it to Iwobi, Iwobi to Welbeck, the flick to Obamiyang, And I think that was a really lovely goal. Very nicely worked. It was a
1: really nice goal. And, you know, I think at first glance, the finish can look a bit scruffy, but actually... When you watch it on the replay, Aboing, I think he beats, well, two defenders who are closer to the ball than him and the goalkeeper who's rushing out and he just uses that acceleration to get there and just nick the ball beyond him. I think it's really well taken and the build-up was excellent. The two passes, one from Iwobi and then the flick from Welbeck, they're both off the outside of the foot and they're both really, really well-weighted. Uh, it's the sort of touch that Danny Welbeck doesn't pull off too often, so when he does, we should probably <laughs> give him credit.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a great goal. And I think uh, the second goal as well, a nice ball from Iwobi down the line into Welbeck, took it across, was positive. He was driving at the defense. Got a little bit of luck, I suppose you'd say, with the shot. But, you know, when you put yourself in that position and you get into the sort of position where you you can unleash that kind of a shot, you're always going to have a chance of something like that happening. So a nice way to go in front.
1: Yeah, and uh, unusually good contact again from Welbeck. I mean, you know, if you put that power on the shot, if it takes a nick, it's got a chance. The weight of the pass from a I that was very good down the left-hand side. I think that if that was a Ramsey or an Erzul who played that pass, I think we'd be raving about it. Yeah. And if you go back, Welbeck actually wins a header, I think it's on the halfway line, knocks it back to someone, I think Kolasinac, to start the move. So he, he, did, he did really well, actually, and sort of joined up things on that left-hand side. All in all, it was a really good response because, as you say, we had struggled. And Southampton had sat really, really deep. Like, I know they had had chances at the other end, but when they were defending, it was really, you know, two banks of four or maybe one bank of five. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. really massed ranks. And it was difficult to break them, but we found a way to do it with a couple of really nice goals. So that was encouraging, and it's sort of uh, turned the game on its head and, made me feel a lot better about things at halftime.
0: I thought we came out for the second half pretty well also with uh, with some real purpose. We had a couple of efforts early on, didn't we? I think Granite Xhaka had one that looked like it was going in. Iwobi had one that looked like it was going in. And I don't know what to say now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, McCarthy made a few decent saves. I actually think he's a decent keeper, Alex McCarthy. He was linked with Arsenal for a long time when he was at Reading. Was he? Um, I never heard of uh, him before.
0: I don't know why. I've just never heard of him. He was
1: a young goalie at Reading who came through and apparently, well I know actually that we did watch him quite closely and then he he went Southampton uh, as kind of a backup but he's managed to become their number one this season. He's a a very good shot stopper and we saw that. I think it was Shaka had a really good shot from range didn't he that was kind of Mm. arcing towards the the bottom corner, he palmed away, and Awobi had a similar shot. To be honest, that was that was stopped. But yeah, I thought we were better in the second half. Alex Awobi, as the game wore on, grew and grew, right? and that really helps us on the attacking. I thought he began joining things up for us in a, a really effective manner.
0: Yeah, I thought it was his best game for a long time. I'm very pleased that he put in a performance like that because he has been, you know, not on his own either. Someone who struggled a bit this season to to get any kind of form together. He has been the brunt of a lot of criticism, I think. Perhaps some of it unfairly. Some of it is reasonable based on the way that he's performed. He, he, he hasn't quite uh, reached the heights that we had hoped he might or even performed with any consistency. So it's good to see him him, uh, remind people that he is a good player I think he took responsibility as well which is what I really liked about the performance is that he always wanted the ball if you looked at him he was he was standing there he was between the lines he knew that he was a guy who was going to have to link midfield and attack because of the way Southampton were playing and they were sitting so deep I thought it was quite clever of him and some of his his uh, delivery some of his uh, his ball control some of his crosses etc were really very positive and I think he ends the game with a couple of assists first one, perhaps not quite as clear cut as the as the, uh, the the one for the third goal, but uh, mm-hmm. it was a good performance from him overall. It
1: was and he's actually, you know, been out of the frame a little bit in recent weeks. He hasn't really been getting starts. And I thought you sensed a bit of hunger from him to get his place back in the side. And I do think for all the criticism that uh, had, there has been of Awobi this season, and I think some of it is understandable, when setbacks have occurred, I think he has responded very well. When, when there was that big story about him being out partying, if you remember, his few performances after that were some of his best of the season and he didn't shirk it. You know, mm. he, he faced up to it and he was starting games and producing. And similarly here, he's been out of the side. He's lost his place to Mikatarian and, and yet, He's come back in and, and shown what he can do. I think he's got more character maybe than some some realise. And I think he's got more ability than some realise. I, I think he's a, a big talent and I was pleased. I was really pleased, actually, to see him have a positive impact yesterday, especially because with and injured, there, there's a chance that he could be up for selection in the Europa League. Too. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is the reality of of the situation that we're in. Yesterday was a chance for both Welbeck and Iwobi to come in and show people, okay, I'm a good player. I can still contribute something here. Welbeck ends up with two goals and uh, and, an assist. Iwobi with two assists and his best performance uh, of the season. Probably the best player on the day, uh, Welbeck aside, maybe. And, uh, you know, if we are going to go the distance in the Europa League, we are going to need those players. We're going to need them to uh, to find some form and to contribute between now and the end of the season. So, you know, that was that was another really positive aspect of, of yesterday's game. One aspect that maybe wasn't so positive was the fact that uh, we let them back into it. Petr Cech had to make a couple of good saves. And once again, James, the commentators absolutely fucked us because they said Charlie Austin, just before he came on, he's scored in every single Premier League game that he's played against Arsenal. And lo and behold, within two minutes, he was uh, on the score sheet again.
1: It's weird, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, Shane Long hasn't scored for a million years and yet he can get a goal against us. Charlie Austin scores against us every time he plays us and yet he can score a goal against us. I mean, basically anybody can score against us. That's what I'm inferring from this game.
0: Yeah, it wasn't great, was it? The defending... Uh, for the for the second goal really wasn't good Jack Wilshire running around like a headless chicken he was mm-hmm. bypassed way too easily Callum Chambers got done Charlie Austin is unmarked uh, I think Mustafi was just running into the goal it wasn't it wasn't great I, I want to ask you what you thought of the substitutions I'm not sure they were particularly helpful to the team in any way
1: I'm trying to look back. Well, I think they were more about uh, well uh, protecting certain players' fitness. For example, Hector Bellerin. I mean, ordinarily you wouldn't take your right back off in in that kind of situation. Who? who what were the other changes? Wilshire came well, on for? W- w-
0: Wilshire came on for Reese Nelson, which I'm not sure gave right. us the right kind of balance because uh, it, it seemed to disrupt us a little bit. What, what did you make of Wilshire's cameo? I, I watched your video yeah. uh you're on the whistle video and you were less than impressed. I think is, is fair was, to say. <laughs> I,
1: I was less than impressed. I mean, I, you know, he's got this habit of when he's, when he's not performing, when things aren't happening for him on the pitch, which I don't think they did yesterday. There were, there's one particular misplaced pass on the break that really could have let us in for another goal. He said he tends to make up for it by being, I mean, what's the word? I suppose combative is the, the kindest way you could describe it. But, throwing himself around, running around like a bit of a headless chicken, as you said. And I thought yesterday was really one of those days. I think he's in a a pretty poor run of form. And I I wasn't impressed with his contribution on the second goal uh, for Southampton that you just mentioned. But also, even in the sending off, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to those, but I just felt that it was sort of needless from him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that... You see that in his game. When he doesn't play well, he kind of makes his presence felt in other ways. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, I mean, while we're we're on it, let's talk about the sending off for the Southampton player. You know, I I didn't really have any issue with Wilshire making that foul. At that point of the game, the guy's driving forward. You know, we've been accused of being too nice, not being cynical enough. That was really cynical. It was a professional foul. I can understand why that guy lost his reason right? Mm-hmm. I can understand why he lost his rag because he's running and has basically ripped the shirt off his back. And it is one of the most frustrating things when you're playing football to have that uh, sort of foul committed on you. Whatever about being tackled or tripped up or whatever. But when you're sort of running along and there's a guy pulling your shirt, it, it's maddening. His reaction was wrong and he obviously deserved the yellow or uh, the red card. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any, any doubt that there's a red card there. Wilshire, definitely a yellow card. What I didn't think was necessary from Wilshire was to to react the way that he did when the guy threw him over you know he he got up and he he went charging around as if somehow he was the one who had been wronged in all this yeah the guy threw you down but you deserved it for what you did and you knew that you deserved it for what you did you can't expect the guy not to react in some way so don't get all like high and mighty as if you know this is some sort of assault from nowhere I think was, he should have just, you know, accepted it and stayed on the ground and that that be let that be that,
1: you know? Yeah, it was a bit of a Mustafi reaction, wasn't it? I mean, suddenly jumping up mm. and blaming somebody else. And I think, I mean, I, I think the Southampton player probably should have been sent off for, for what he did. I don't think it was the most violent thing you'll ever see, but I don't think you can do that really on the football field. No. Uh, but I think that Wilshere's response to it is what provoked, I mean, it wasn't really a melee, but provoked the kind of hullabaloo that then led to the referee, I thought incorrectly, sending off Mohamed Elneny. I mean, Elneny is sort of, I think, a bit of a victim of this situation. I don't really think he did anything particularly wrong at all.
0: Um, Yeah, I I would agree. I think the one criticism I would have of Elneny is that... uh, You know, there was no need for him to be involved at that point. You know, he could have just walked away. They were down to 10 men. They needed a goal. We had to get organized for a set piece. That's where his focus should have been. I've watched the video a number of times, and I can't see why he's been sent off for that. It looked like a push. People I've seen on Twitter who were in the ground say he definitely pushed the guy in the face. If he did that and the referee saw that, then it's a red card. If he pushed him in the face, we know you can't raise hands. I can't say one way or the other whether he definitely did. From what I've seen from the video, I can't see him do that, in which case I think it's harsh. But if there's other footage of it which shows him push the guy in the face, then get, he gets a red card and we can't have any complaints. He just shouldn't have been involved there. i tell you what was amusing to me, amusing in a strange way, was that when Wilshire was reacting to being pushed over by Stevens, Petr Cech came a long way out of his goal to calm Wilshire down. He mm-hmm. was having a, a word with him and telling him to shut the fuck up and just... Relax, because he was in danger of getting himself sent off as well as the other guy. And Wilshire reacts to Chek and is like, "Fucking, you yeah. know, he's a bit, in, you know, unhappy about Chek's involvement." Then, when El gets sent off, and El Nenny's saying to the referee, "What's that for? What are you, what are you talking about?" Wilshire is the one going, "Come on, mate, go on, yeah, off you I go. Saw that. Off you go." It's like, "Ah, oh, fucking, come on now."
1: I know, I saw that and I thought, bloody hell, he's got a nerve, he's got a cheek doing <laughs> that. I mean, the thing is about Wilshere's cameo, as we're describing it, is that it was a combustible performance from him. I mean, this foul, it was a professional foul, but it wasn't a purely cynical one. There was anger in there too. You know, he 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 was frustrated with himself and he was frustrated with the way the game was going and... I just thought, in some respects, he did us more harm than good on the day, um, mm. and I, I feel like there've been a few occasions a bit like that this season. And I, I'm slightly, I'm slightly losing patience with his propensity to deal with bad performances by kicking people.
0: Do, do you think? Do you think in some way that the contract situation and what's going on is? A contributory factor to this And the way that he's performing He's coming on feeling like he's got to prove something He's got to He's got to show people that he cares in some way And maybe he's going about it the wrong way Because his form is not great at the moment He's not able to contribute Or contribute in the way That he might like with the ball So if at least he can show some passion For example uh, You know in inverted commas Mm. That that might be a positive uh, A positive thing that's an
1: interesting point. I hadn't thought of it that way. I mean, maybe the contract situation lends itself to a, a certain insecurity and he's he's constantly trying to compensate for that on the field. I think it's having the inverse effect, to be honest. Uh, I think that each one of these performances makes the likelihood of Arsenal increasing their contract offer smaller. Uh, and I think even the fans who have that, Real affinity with Wilshere, and who really, you know, feel that he's kind of one of our own. I think they must be growing a little bit tired of, mm. of some of these antics. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of affection for him as a player. I think we, I think we all do. But yesterday, I sort of felt like I just don't know if I don't know if this is a positive thing necessarily anymore. I mean, it is all it is all form. If he was playing well and and doing this kind of stuff, I guess we'd accept it. But he's not.
0: He's not. No, sorry for all the crashing noise. I'm just looking for something in my office while you're talking. I am listening to you. But I think you're right. You know, it it, it seems to me a cocktail of things at this moment in time, uh, you know, low on form. Therefore, he has to he has to show his stuff in, in a different way and maybe he's frustrated with the situation as well that he wants more from Arsenal and Arsenal don't seem prepared to give him that and uh, yeah you, you'd hate for it to to end in a slightly unhappy way if that's what's going to happen this summer if Jack Wilshere does go uh, or does leave then it would be a shame I think if it was to if there was to be anything other than uh, goodwill for Jack because he is an Arsenal man, he is uh, passionate about the club, but maybe it's time to go in a different direction. I, I would hate for it to be spoiled in any way. That's, uh, th- that's all I mean. Anyway, um, that's a negative, I guess. And then he's a negative in the sense that he is now going to miss, I presume, three games because that's violent yeah. conduct. Yeah. So unless the club are going to appeal the red card, he is going to miss the next three Premier League games, which is a bit of a pain because he is somebody who comes into the team for the Premier League games while the Europa League is is more uh, important. So those are two negatives, I think, to end the game on. But we overlooked the fact that we did get a winning goal. And Danny Welbeck... Who everybody went? Oh my God, Danny just well back to well back there when he missed that chance. Mm. To his credit, he kept his head up. He didn't let it affect him, and he got the winning goal. And uh, you've got to give him, you've got to give him huge props for that. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's probably the one caveat we should offer on Wilshere is that we probably should have been talking about uh, an assist from him when he reached across and squared the ball for Welbeck, who, who somehow skied it over the bar. But he he kept his head up, like you say, and in his post-match interview, he said, I just believed another chance would come. And it did come thanks to mm-hmm. Alex Iwobi. It was a, yeah. another good bit of play, really. A couple of nice little twists and turns on the edge of the box. I think a left-footed cross to the far post and, and Welbeck's there to nod it in and you know, for for all his travails this season, he, he has come up with goals here and there when we've needed them. He got two against Milan, two more against Southampton. It's an interesting situation now because Arsene Wenger's probably got to pick uh, at least one of Iwobi or Welbeck, as we said, for the Moscow game, and they've both really, really thrust themselves into contention. There might even be a case given given what Jack produced on Sunday to to start them both out there. So. Mm. They, they did really well and I was pleased for Welbeck I mean it's interesting isn't it he, he gets a lot of uh, he does get a lot of stick and a lot of it is understandable but Arsene Go after the game talking about uh, the mental strength that he showed you know coming back from those injuries and I, I do think that whenever you talk about Danny Welbeck that has to be part of the conversation because what he has fought back from is, is quite extraordinary and the fact that he's playing at this level at all uh, is quite remarkable
0: in mm. my opinion Yeah, I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see uh, him score and glad to see Iwobi uh, produce as well. Aubameyang with another goal, uh, which Mm -hmm. continues his really good start to his Arsenal career. And six wins from six. And, you know, it it puts us in, I I won't say great shape for for Thursday, but it just keeps that momentum going and that belief that the team has. uh, You know, if we're going to go somewhere in Europe, if we have... uh, The confidence of winning games, regardless of how we're winning them, you know, yesterday's was a bit weird in that, you know, Southampton could easily have won that game. I think in terms of the chances that they had in terms of the way that we defended, you know, it wouldn't have been a surprise if we'd lost that game. But we had the resilience to come back and score the winning goal and keep them at bay. So we have to we have to, I think, just uh, acknowledge that as a as a positive thing while there's still something to play for this season.
1: Yeah, and look, Southampton were really fighting for their lives yesterday. I yeah. mean, it, it might not have meant a lot to us, but it meant an awful lot to them. They were scrapping for everything, defending with their lives. And I think to take three points from that game is is, is a pretty good return. I mean, I remember plenty mm. of games in seasons past where teams fighting relegation have come to the Emirates Stadium and given us real problems and taken yeah. wins or draws. I, mean, I remember Wigan famously on one occasion. So I think it's good to keep the momentum going. It's good for the confidence and... It looks like no more injuries as well. So all in all, a pretty positive afternoon. I think Arsene Wenger will be pleased that he was able to rotate his side to rest some really key players, the likes of Ozil, Ramsey, Mm -hmm. Koscielny, Montréal, not involved at all, to bloody youngster like Reese Nelson to improve the confidence of of Werbeck and Iwobi and come away with three points. can't turn your nose up at that.
0: Yep, can't really argue with that. Just to finish off this part of the show, you remember a few weeks back we did our predictions for the rest of the Premier League games. Mm. We are three out of three, both of us. Uh, We both said we beat Watford, both said we beat Stoke, and both said that we would beat uh, Southampton. So, we're on track to where we thought we might be. Now, the next game I think is Newcastle, isn't it? And... uh, we both have a drawdown for that one, so we'll see. But so far, 100% prediction rate uh, success. So I don't know what that says. S-
1: something very strange is going on. <laughs> it's like Shane Long, you know, every, a, clock, a, a stop clock is right twice a day.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Unless it's a digital clock, in which case it's got no time <laughs> on it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So um, in this modern world, I'm not sure that analogy really works as well as it should. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go into part two. We'll take your questions and more right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at Gunnar Blog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. Before we start on this one, James, you remember the other day we were asked about, you know, Monday to Friday, are we going to keep going? Is there, mm. you know, a, a change in the schedule? And we said, no, we're not going to do that. But it does get confusing, I think, for people if there's an extra Arscast Extra, not least because they don't know it's an extra Arscast Extra because the voiceover at the start just says, this is the ArseCast Extra. So what I've had to do is commission a new voiceover for when we do an extra ArseCast Extra. So it's going to sound like this. This is an extra ArseCast Extra. So there.
1: Wow. Wow. Great. Wow. I'm excited about that. Yeah, that and at least is, go on. the clarity
0: is crucial, isn't it? these people know then. Yeah, absolutely. We don't want people, you know, thinking on a Friday that it's Monday or on a Monday that it's Friday. Now we can have uh, a distinction, separation between the days. People Very will know. Exciting. We can have one for every day of the week. He's an extra ask cast extra. And just if anybody who is uh, looking for somebody to do voiceover work that isn't me, of course, I would be your first choice. If you were looking for a voiceover artist, that is uh, Dom O'Shea, who's at Dom O'Shea on Twitter. So if you fancy a voiceover, drop him a line. He will uh, he will do the necessary for you. Of course, once you cross his palm with silver, as uh, any voiceover artist uh, will tell you, we don't mm. uh, we don't work for exposure. Apart from Dom, who I don't think got paid for that, so I'll have to sort that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he's a friend of the show, I guess you would say. A friend of the show, a friend of the site, etc., etc. et cetera. So uh, there you go. Right. I have a question here to kick us off. Go on. Assuming I can find our questions. This comes from um, Daniel, who's at Daniel A. Johnson. And he says... Welbeck, 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 well done. Do we keep him? When his shooting boots are on the right feet, he's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just not often enough, is it, I suppose, is what his detractors will say. I mean, the thing about Danny Welbeck is that he's a manager's dream. I mean, one aspect of his performance that we haven't spoken about is how good he was defensively yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I don't just mean in terms of tracking back, but actually in his own penalty box, I think he headed a number of corners away. And I think Arsene Wenger was probably particularly delighted with that contribution. I think what you have to accept about him is that he is, he is kind of what he is. He's got his flaws, he's got his strengths, but he seems relatively prepared to be a squad player at Arsenal. And as squad players go, I think he's a, a pretty handy one. I mean he might not be the best striker in the world. But if you look at our our three centre forwards, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Welbeck, it is actually a long time since we had three strikers of that calibre in the squad. I think you have to go back to kind of a decade ago, probably, when we had Adebayor, Van Persie and Eduardo for anything comparable. And none of those were ever £50 million players. Mm. So I think we've got good strength and depth in that part of the field. I suppose the only thing you might say is, Well, if you keep Welbeck, does it restrict the likes of Nketiah, the likes of Nelson from getting game time? And would you be better off uh, investing in those young players? Mm. I, I suppose as well, they need to come to an agreement with the player. You know, maybe he feels, having had the injuries, having missed so much football, he wants to play every week. And I don't think anyone is suggesting that's necessarily something he should do at
0: Arsenal what what do you think it's a fair point isn't it it really depends what he wants from the rest of his career you always get the sense from Welbeck that he wants to be a centre forward Mm. part of the reason he was unhappy at times at Manchester United was the fact that he wasn't being played as a striker and you know you can see why he wasn't played as a striker given the players they had available to them similarly at Arsenal is he going to play centre forward very much when we've got when we've got Obama Yang and when we've got uh, Lacazette, it's hard to see that he will beyond an injury crisis. So it really depends what he wants from his career. I think your point about Nelson and, and, and Ketty is an interesting one as well. Does Arsene Wenger consider them ready to do in the Premier League what he feels he can get from Danny Welbeck when Danny Welbeck is fit? And I think what we've seen maybe over the last couple of weeks is that when Welbeck is fit and... I won't say inform per se, but when he is playing more regularly, we see a bit more from him than just the the, the stuff that people laugh at. You know, the, the mistakes yeah. and the misses, which are, you know, of course they're amusing, but I I think a little bit unfair uh, on Welbeck himself because he is capable of better, and he he showed that yesterday. So. I would be surprised if Arsene Wenger was ready to ditch Welbeck to go with Enkedia and Nelson on a long-term basis, but it's a tricky one this summer because the contract is up next year and Arsenal have to make a decision. Are they going to let Danny Welbeck just go and leave on a free another year and then the two youngsters or youngsters are ready to step into the fray? Or do they offer him a new deal? I suspect we will offer him a new deal based on what Arsene Wenger says and the way that he talks about Danny Welbeck. My feeling is that we will offer him a new deal. Whether mm-hmm. he signs it or not is another question, but I'd be surprised if we didn't.
1: I also think, I don't think well, but I know he's English, and so there's going to be, uh, he's going to have some value in the transfer market, but I don't think it's a case like Oxlade-Chamberlain where we're potentially leaving £40 million pounds on the table. That's mm. just my hunch. I don't think you're going to get that kind of fee for Welbeck, given his age, given his injury problems, and given his position within the squad. So I, I wonder as well if you alluded to it there, but is it a possibility that he does kind of see out his deal at Arsenal and that he does kind of play a senior role next season mm. while the likes of Nketiah get an opportunity to to prove themselves either on loan or, you know, in the cup matches? I think Arsene Wenger, that we don't know that Arsene Wenger will be in charge next season mm. but I think he really really likes Danny Welbeck mm. and I think oh, what, what are you <laughs> about there
0: <laughs> mm. well I mean it all depends what happens between now and the end of the season doesn't it but it seems you know certainly Arsene Wenger's not not thinking about going anywhere so no I think that's I think that's
1: correct I think Certainly no decision has been made uh, to the contrary. Let's put it like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, who do you want as your third choice striker? Who are you going to buy that's going to come to play behind Aubameyang and Lacazette in the pecking order that's that's significantly better than Danny Welbeck? Mm. I do think that's a difficult question as well. Yeah. Um, it's hard to buy a reserve who uh, who you think can contribute. And I think if Werbeck's happy to keep playing that role, I actually think he's a, a useful squad player, despite the odd moment of hilarity.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like, how do you get somebody better in for a reasonable price who will give you more on a consistent basis? So, yeah, what do you want? What do you want from that player? Your third choice striker, what should he be? Hmm. Mm.
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe a young striker like Nketiah. That that, I think that is the... The decision to be made but we're very we're very quick to you know say that Eddie Nketiah is kind of ready and going to be a star based mm. on two goals against Norwich I mean there's a long way to go and there's plenty of senior matches he's not really managed to influence there's no guarantees we all remember Arturo Lupoli
0: Mm. do do you feel maybe that perhaps some of the reservation about Welbeck is that because he's not going to play centre-forward when the other two are fit, the the way he gets into the team is as a wide player. Maybe if we're looking to improve the team, that we could find a wide player who is a significant upgrade on Danny Welbeck.
1: Yes, I think that is fair. And it was interesting to hear Austin Wenger in his press conference yesterday specifically saying, well, we won't be looking to bring in any attackers this summer because yeah. I think... You know, we probably do need someone in wide areas. I think that we don't have a pure wide forward. I think Welbeck is sort of the closest thing that we have, but I wouldn't say mm. he's a natural at it. So, I mean, look, he looked he looked good in that role yesterday, but you would know, he's not uh, he's still not even really a Theo Walcott in terms of his his width or his ability to get to the byline or his ability to cross a ball. You know, he's not got those capacities. He's got other attributes for sure, mm. but. Uh, so yeah, maybe that is a fair point. That is a fair point. If you if you're going to bring someone in, you're going to have to move someone out. So that that's the decision. And Wellbeck might be the obvious candidate.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing from Arsene Wenger. They're not going to buy any attacking players, and I, I'm not surprised by that, given that we tore up the attack in January and brought in Mkhitaryan and brought in Aubameyang. Um, yeah. mm. I do wonder if it means though that we're ready to to actually commit to Reese Nelson and his talent. We know his contract situation's a bit up in the air. But if we're talking to him and saying, look, we're not buying any new forwards, there is... A gap in the market, so to speak, for a wide player at Arsenal, for somebody to come in and fit, you know, fit into the team in that position. He, of all the young players, seems the most natural fit as well, doesn't he? For that position, mm. maybe that's the maybe that's the plan. Maybe there comes a point where you have to say, okay, this kid is talented. We need to create an avenue for him to get into the team, or at least work his way into the team. Not not like hand him the keys and say, here you go, you're 18, you know, have at it. But you know work hard, take his chances when they come. And if he performs, then he's got the potential and ability to make that position his own.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting idea. And and I kind of hope that is the case. It would, it would be an interesting strategic move from Arsenal and it would make plenty of sense. And maybe that was a bit of a public message to Nelson and to Mm. his people yesterday that we're serious about this. We're serious about giving you a run at this team next season. Yeah. Um, This question is from Mark Nellis on Twitter, who's at Mark Nellis. Uh, It's one close to my heart. Mark says, "Can we overtake Chelsea?" Um, uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Does it matter? I think it does. I think that. Well, I mean, look, you. uh, Some listeners will know my brother is a Chelsea fan. Oh yes, of course. Respective the respective league finishes of those two teams is of interest to me. But I think given how poorly they're playing, and I, I can't remember what the gap is off the top of my head. Three points. I, three points. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I think to finish fifth rather than sixth is something. And to finish ab- it's to finish above another London side to not mm. be the bottom of that top six, I think is something worth uh, worth bearing in mind I don't think it's worth making a priority Yeah, but it's a little bit of intrigue between now
0: and the end of the season yeah maybe look it's important from that point of view if you've got Chelsea friends or family and obviously you want your team to finish as high up the table as they can that's uh, that goes without saying, really. I just don't think it matters that much. Um, mm. I was just looking at the table here, and I'm looking at—I was looking at goal difference, for example. And uh, the top seven teams, wow, our, our goals against is the, the the biggest. Forty-three goals we've conceded in the Premier League this season. You know, Burnley twenty-eight. Burnley have conceded fifteen goals fewer than us. Uh, mm. Of course, they've only scored thirty-one to our sixty-one, but. Uh, it's it's a bad statistic that but uh, yeah, three points it, I mean, it's possible for us to do it certainly the way Chelsea are playing the fixtures we have are relatively kind between now and the end of the season um, so yeah, it's possible but I don't really care that much to be honest
1: Fair enough I can understand not getting uh, too excited about it but I don't know uh, I, I hope we do it I hope we do it I, th- mm. I think that we've got a really good chance the, as you say the fixtures are really kind to be honest it's just a shame we left ourselves so so far off the top four that to make that completely unrealistic at this point
0: yeah okay here's a question from marty who's at silent gunner is it silent gunner it is silent gunner uh it's fine if i got it wrong he wouldn't have said anything anyway um he says in honor of el Neni's red card list your top three most infuriating red cards on an arsenal player
1: I mean, the immediate one that springs to mind is Robin Van Persie in the new camp. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really look beyond that. That was uh, absolutely maddening. Was it? Inf- would you call it infuriating when uh, Kieran Gibbs was sent off rather than Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain or vice versa? I mean, I'm doing it myself now. I'm getting it mixed up. I mean, I'm not sure if that was infuriating or just ridiculous. <laughs>
0: um, that was ridiculous, certainly. Uh yeah. I think uh, one that stands out for me as well is um Vieira at Old Trafford, the Van yeah. Nistelrooy one. I know we touched on that in the uh the Invincibles podcast, which you can get if you subscribe to uh Patreon, patreon.com mm-hmm. forward slash arsblog. Uh, two part special on the Invincibles. That was annoying because of the way that um because of the way that uh Van Nistelrooy reacted. There was no contact from Vieira, and obviously, um, the infuriation at the time is offset by the the fracas that it that it uh, ended up with being, and uh, one of the great moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was an infuriating one. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, there was that
1: Xhaka one last season where we were all fed this rule about mm. you know he was it was an off the ball foul and that's an automatic red card, and then that rule. As far as I'm aware, never appeared again in mm. football. <laughs> uh, that was a, a an annoying one for
0: yeah. sure. Can, I mean, there, can there be? A, can we take into account the ones where Arsenal players are really stupid and get themselves sent off? Is I that, think so. Yeah. Wasn't there a Giroud one where he just sort of um, put his head on somebody for no good reason? got <laughs> sent off. Very possibly. Very um, possibly. Chesney sounds- against Bayern Munich. That one annoyed me. Uh Ari and Robin dive. That was nothing yeah. to do with Chesney, of course. Um,
1: I mean, uh, it's infuriating, maybe not the right word, but the the Jens Lehmann Champions League sem- <laughs> uh, final sending off was heartbreaking.
0: Too soon, James. Too I soon. Know,
1: still too soon. Mm. Um, and David Ospina's Europa League final sending off in 2018 and squadron Mustafi's they were yeah. both quite infuriating Sent uh, off
0: sent off for fighting each other after yeah. Ospina, <laughs> Ospina <laughs> drops the ball uh, into his own net Mustafi complains uh, about it and the two of them have a fist fight and they get sent off like uh, Boyer and Dyer wasn't it? Yeah playing for it. Newcastle yeah that one was really really quite annoying
1: Mustafi took a leaf out of the Ospina book of defending, didn't he, on Southampton's second goal? Just sort of run back into the goal. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's right out of the Ospina handbook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's. uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones that I can, uh, off the top of my head, it's difficult to remember. We've had so many red cards. You know what was a great red card? A red card I remember fondly. Go on. Giovanni van Bronckhorst against Liverpool at Anfield. Ah, yes. It was, what was it? Was it Paul Durkin, the referee who sent yeah, him off?
1: Paul Durkin, I think.
0: I can't remember why. I've got no idea why he got sent off at this point. But what makes me remember the sending off itself is the fact that we beat Liverpool that day, I think 2-0 or 2-1 with 10 men. And Freddie Jumberg scored one of my favourite Arsenal goals of all time. Mm. We were playing in the, were we in those gold shirts? I think we were. Think in the we are we in the gold shirts. Robert Pires picks the ball up. He's got Steven Gerrard there. Gerrard's covering the space. Pires does this little um, foot-to-foot shuffle with the ball, knocks it past Gerrard squares it with his left foot. And Freddie Jumberg is just... We talked about timing, didn't we, and players getting in the box at the right time. Freddie Yumberg arrives, puts the ball into the bottom corner, just on the run, perfect. And uh, the celebration, I love that goal so much. I really, really love that goal. Um,
1: Well, it's in front of the away fans as well, isn't it? I think, which makes it all the more enjoyable. So he he, he kind of wheels away to celebrate with the Arsenal fans. It's a great moment. It is. I think... I might be wrong, but I think I remember that Kanu ended that game playing in holding midfield.
0: He <laughs> did, Arsenal. yeah. He played yeah. in central midfield. That's right. It was uh, it was an amazing performance. Uh, a really brilliant win. I think it showed the character of that. So I think I have to watch that Jumberg goal again now. Yeah, no problem. I'm going to just watch it here on YouTube. again with Tyrese. Oh, he's done him. He's, he's done him. In the centre. Oh! Oh! from Arsenal with the odds stacked against them. Oh my goodness, what a goal. I love the way Gerrard gets absolutely done up by Perez there. It's brilliant. Brilliant.
1: Sensational stuff. Well, we've, you know, we've turned that sentence off question around uh, into being a, a real positive about Freddie Umberg, girls. Yeah. I'm delighted with that. Yeah. Uh, Adam Topku, who's ad, at ad underscore ski says, based on yesterday's performance, would you pick Iwobi or Welbeck in Mkhitaryan's place on Thursday? He says, I'd be tempted to play both and drop Jack. What would you do out in Moscow?
0: Uh, uh, that. I would drop Jack Wilshire and I would play both Welbeck and Iwobi. I think Jack looks like a player who needs a rest. He needs um, he needs just a spell out of the team, perhaps. Hmm. Um, I mean, he got that yesterday for a little bit and then came on and uh, ran around and did what he did. But yeah, I would be tempted to to leave Wilshire on the bench. I'm not sure Arsene Wenger will, though, because he will look to Wilshire as somebody who's experienced and perhaps can give the team a bit of control in midfield. Um, It might allow us just to be a bit more defensive if we need to be defensive. Uh, during the game, you know, drop Wilshire back in to a more central spot and drop him further back, deeper, um, rather than go hell for leather. I mean, if we were going there and we had to score goals, definitely I'd play uh, Iwobi and Welbeck uh, and drop Wilshire. But um, I, I think Arsene Wenger will play Jack. For me, I guess, what will he do? Will he play Welbeck or Iwobi? I think he'll play Welbeck.
1: I think he will as well. I, I think that when he brought Lacazette on for Aubameyang yesterday, maybe that was in his mind, you know, get that Welbeck-Lacazette uh, combination going again. I, I think that, I thought that Welbeck might start uh, in the home leg, to be honest, and he didn't. But I think he, I think he will play this game. But I, like you, would leave Jack out, yeah. and bring away being Welbeck in that, frankly... They deserve it on merit for what they did against Southampton. Yeah. And I'm not sure Jack does.
0: Okay. Here's a question from Pat Rice's Hot Pants, which is uh, (laughs) – there's an image. He's uh, at Pat's underscore Hot Pants. And he says, is El Neni the Egyptian Giel Grimondi?
1: Well, uh (laughs) I mean, you know, they've got, I suppose, a similar silhouette. When Gilles had his full head of curls, it was something to, to rival El Neni's hair. But <laughs> I, I don't know if he is. I think I'd, I I, might be doing Grimondi a disservice there, but I don't think he was quite as tidy and accomplished a player on the ball as El Neni is. I mean, mm. people might not uh, feel that he's adventurous enough with his passing, but he is extremely secure with it. And Grimondi was someone who... I think you recognised as much for his kind of his tackling, his ball-winning ability, as much as his ability with the, the thing at his feet. Mm. I think El Nenny is a a really solid midfield player who, a bit like Welbeck, actually is a a very very handy squad member, and he's already been tied down to a good deal, and I think that's good business. From Arsenal. Uh, I also don't think he's got the the natural aggression really that Grimaldi has. That's why it was such a surprise that it was him sent off yesterday. I mean, he, he seems mm. like a guy who hasn't got a, a bad bone in his body. There's actually a great, if you go back and you watch the clip of Welbeck scoring the header, there's, there's cameras kind of linger on Welbeck and all the players come over and give him a hug and when El Nenny comes over and sort of joins the huddle, you can just hear on the microphone it picked up this little voice going,
0: well done, Danny! I, do you know what? I was, <laughs> I was watching that before the game, before the podcast, yeah. and I had the audio clip and then I, I, I shut it down. I think I, I could find it here. If I get the goal up here, I can find it because I downloaded the game without, without any commentary on it. So right. here comes the goal and I'm just going to play this and you'll be able to hear it. Hang on. Here's a cross coming in now. Well celebrating. here we go <laughs> Well done, Danny. It's quite adorable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you're right. You know, he does seem like a really nice guy. And he's not the kind of guy who gets involved in those kinds of incidents that, that for which he got sent off. You wouldn't expect that from him either. But no, I don't think comparisons with Grimondi are correct. Grimondi was a snide fucker. He was a yeah. nasty, dirty cunt at times. <laughs> he really was. Actually, when you think back to it, he was just, a, he was a bad man. He was mm-hmm. a bad man. He got sent off in the new Camp against Barcelona for elbowing Pep Guardiola in the face. Uh, While they were sitting on the ground, the two of them had been involved in a tackle and Grimondi just elbowed him. And then there's that other uh, really famous picture, which you can find. Um, It's not too difficult to find. I think we're playing Inter Milan in the Champions League. There's a corner and then there's a picture and you can just see Grimondi's doing this. What me? Face? As Diego Simeone is standing there with blood gushing out of his eye from where Grimondi is fucking like taking him out. He's done him with an elbow again. So I don't think Elneny has that kind of aggression, which is good. I think that's good. Um, it's not great to have players who go around elbowing others in the face. That's that's not a nice thing to do. Um, obviously, there are players who you wouldn't mind it being inflicted on from from uh, time to time. But as a general rule, you run the risk of being sent off when you go around elbowing people in the face. And Grimondi got sent off quite a bit. You know, I don't think he is... Uh, or was, as you say, as tidy a player on the ball uh, as Elneny is either. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the comparison stands up. In terms of being a useful squad player, yeah, you can kind of see where where he's coming from there. But I think El Elneny is a better midfield player than Grimondi is. He's safe, he's reliable, he's solid, he's unspectacular. You know, he's not going to be the most incisive player, but he is a consistent performer. I think, you know, he generally gives you a good performance. He's he, he doesn't give the ball away. I'm not sure that was always true of Grimondi when he was playing in midfield either or yeah. at center half.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I think the comparison is, uh, doesn't quite work for that one, but there mm. you go. Uh, let's have this question. This is from Paul Blakely and Paul is at Kiefer on Twitter. And he says, we've gone from being boring to scoring fairly freely quite quickly. What do you put this recent goal-scoring change down to? Freedom of stress? The players working it out? Tactics? Or is it as simple as having a top-class forward in the team? What do you make of our our goal run?
0: I don't quite know. I mean, people say Alexis is gone and now Mesut has more freedom, but we scored three goals yesterday without Mesut There's a part of me that thinks... There could be a, a a long, complicated tactical reason for it, but basically i I just have a sense that, particularly when it comes to our form, that we, we we've got good players, we've always said we've had, we've had good players, right, and they they just couldn't be that bad for that long without something happening to turn it around. Yeah, I just think that we've turned a corner. And we've got players who are capable of putting a run of results together as we've seen in season after season after season. So I think there is probably a bit of freedom in terms of the way that the team is operating right now. I think I was listening to Tim Stillman on the Arsenal Vision podcast and you know he, he does make the point that Mesut Ozil doesn't have to share top billing with Alexis Sanchez. I think what was interesting about the Alexis Ozil thing was that when you think about the contributions that the two of them had, or the combinations, I should say, that the two of them had, the ones that's, that that are most memorable to me are Alexis creating for Ozil, rather mm. than Ozil being the creator for Alexis. There must have been plenty of those, but the one that the ones that that stick in my mind are, for example, was it last year against Norwich, maybe, uh, or somebody away from home, Watford, Watford. Where Ozil scored a great header, it was on a, a Lexus cross from, from the left-hand side. Those are the things that that stand out. But Ozil certainly has more freedom. Obama Yang and Mikatarian have come in and played really well. You know, you look at what they've done in the in the opening weeks of their Arsenal careers, Obama Yang has six goals and an assist. Mikatarian six assists and two goals. You know, we changed, we r- literally ripped up the attack in January. And went with something new, and the something new is working. And I think that's basically what it boils down to.
1: I think as well, you can't you can't ignore the change in system. I mean, right up until uh, moving
0: Jan- away from a back three.
1: Yeah, yeah. We fundamentally we've got one more attacking player on the field than we did prior, um, and that has changed the the emphasis of the team. I think. I think the January signings have helped. Mkhitaryan and and um Aubameyang, rather sorry I, i've struck up a great understanding with ursel early on i i do think there's something to be said for the release of pressure i think all the obituaries that were written for our season after those two games against manchester city created an environment in which there was very curiously that kind of took the pressure off and i think you saw some of the players liberated from the scrutiny that they had been under in in those weeks prior mm. um so I think it's a little bit of 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 all those things. I also, I mean, without wanting to be uh, sort of churlish, I also wonder who we've played in this recent run that's any good. Uh, yeah, it's fair point. Know, yeah. Since the Man City games, have we played a good team? I don't, I don't really think we have. So, you know, there's a lot of contributing factors. Um, I must say, I'm a little bit worried about this Mkhitaryan injury. I, I know amidst the win yesterday, it, it didn't get too much attention, but it sounds like a relatively bad one. And mm-hmm. I think he has been a really important factor in
0: our improvement, actually, and a, a big part of our Europa League hopes. Do you think we'll see him again before the end of the season? Arsene Wenger wasn't ruling him out yesterday. He said uh, he's going to miss the next couple of games, but you know he could be back by the end of the season. I suppose it will depend on whether or not it's worth bringing him back. Yeah, I mean, it was odd the way he gave the injury news. I was
1: in the room and he said, well, he'll miss certainly Thursday and certainly Sunday and then certainly <laughs> the, the game after that and possibly the game after that. And someone eventually was like, will he be back before the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he was like, yeah, 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 he he will. I mean, they seem pretty confident, but it could, these can really vary, these medial ligament injuries. It can be, you know, three weeks, it can be six weeks. So... There's no guarantees at all. And I do think that is a significant blow, actually, because he's a guy who won the Europa League last year and he's been very, very good in that competition. So... We will, we will miss him as much as we're pleased that Welbeck and Iwobi stepped up. We, we will miss Mkhitaryan.
0: Yeah, uh, just a quick one here from Vanig Bustanian on Facebook. He says, Welbeck is known for being a sponge, uh, striking partnerships with Iwobi, like Lacazette, and others making others play better. Do you think an inform Welbeck would form a good partnership with Aubameyang as well?
1: I think he would, and I think yesterday there were some really intriguing things happening in terms of Welbeck starting on the left and Aubameyang through the middle, but they interchange positions a lot, fairly regularly, and at times I bet if you look at the kind of average position map for the team, it would look more like a four-four-two than a four-three-three or 4-2-3-1 mm. because they were both occupying a lot of space in the penalty area at different times. Look at Aubameyang's goal, by way of example. Uh, you know, Welbeck is very much in the penalty box, actually to the right of Aubameyang. And uh, I thought that that was interesting in terms of the way that they linked up, but I think as well as potentially an indicator as to how Lacazette and Aubameyang could link up in the future.
0: Yeah.
1: It it was exciting.
0: Okay. Uh, I know you have to go uh, very shortly, so I'm just going to finish with this one question. It comes from Eric, who's at the Naughty Water. Uh, And he says, if you could choose a villain from a HBO TV drama to become the next manager to replace Arsene Wenger, which would it be? Wow. Yeah. Now, I mean, HBO have made some amazing shows. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, Oz, The Sopranos, um, Game of Thrones. I think they do Game of Thrones as well. They do, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads there for you to to choose from. So a villain that is going to become the next Arsenal manager. Who would it be? The Wire. Obviously, I've, I'm still in the process of rewatching The Wire. Man, it's so good. Ah, oh, you've so gone good. back and yeah. watched it again. Yeah, I'm just at the end of season one. It's um, I, there's so much I'd forgotten. Like loads. Of, I'm sitting there going, oh, I can't believe. It. Oh, no, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you enjoying it as much second time? I think more because you're you're you know the characters, but then there's all these little subtleties that you you missed the first time around, and you know I'm. Terrible for, like, watching a movie and going, yeah, that was good. And then within a week, I'm like, what was that about? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, that's great. It it means you can enjoy
1: things all over again.
0: Mm. Yes, I can. Um,
1: Who would I have? I feel like it'd be quite cool to get someone from Game of Thrones in the Arsenal dugout. Uh,
0: Isn't – there's a few Arsenal fans in that show. Oh, really? There are – Alfie Allen, who's Lily Allen's brother, yeah, is uh, I can't remember the name of the character, Reek, or but that's not yeah, his real yeah. name. But he's an Arsenal fan. And yeah. um, what's the guy uh, who played the really annoying character who would go around annoying? Paul Kay, of course, who was Dennis Penis. Uh, of course, he, he's yeah. in Game of Thrones, and he's an Arsenal fan as well. So, so we could have one of our own. Could have, but are they really villains? That's the question.
1: I wouldn't have, you know, and I I couldn't have Joffrey as the Arsenal manager. No.
0: I I need someone with more experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, one of the White Walkers would be quite good. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I just think
1: Mark Hughes on the dugout is not going to be complaining about shaking hands with one of them.
0: No, he's not. He's not going to go anywhere near them. And if he gets out of his technical area, White Walker is—you know—he's going to get him. I, I thought about this a little bit before I, before I, uh, okay. uh, before I asked you, and I came up with uh, uh, Al Sweringen from a show called Deadwood. Seen Deadwood? Uh, now I I know of Deadwood, but I haven't seen it, so you
1: have to explain to me why this is such a good choice.
0: Well, Al Swearingen is the—he's not the sheriff. Uh, no, uh, Timothy Olyphant is the sheriff of this town, Deadwood, which is set in the Gold Rush era. Uh, it is one of the best shows of all time. Sadly, HBO cancelled it after three series. Um, but Al Swearingen is like a, a saloon owner. He's kind of the guy who, you know, looks after all the drugs and drinks and women's and all that kind of stuff within the town. He is uh, played by what the fuck is the guy? Oh, then? he's
1: played by like Lovejoy, isn't he? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, uh, I I forget his name, but yes, I know exactly who you mean. Uh,
0: Lovejoy. It is. Oh, my God. Ian McShane. Ian Ian McShane. McShane. Uh, I was going to Google Lovejoy, but I was afraid that it might uh, give me uh, Tim Lovejoy. So (laughs) I decided against it and used my memory. But anyway, he's an amazing character. He swears a lot. He drinks a lot. He smokes a lot. And I found this incredible clip. And if you think that this doesn't make him suitable for Arsenal manager, wait till you hear this. Imagine... Arsenal have just lost a Carabao Cup final Mustafi and Ospina have both been sent off and in the post-match press conference he comes out with this
1: Pain or damage don't end the world or despair or fucking beatings The world ends when you're dead Until then you got more punishment in
0: store Stand it like a man and give some back Yeah, (laughs) how about that? (laughs) More punishment is coming. You're going to get beaten more. That is truly life as an Arsenal fan, but, you know, give some back.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that. I, I mean, it would make quite a change from uh, Arsene Wenger talking about mental strength. So, yes, I, I I I agree with you. Let's go
0: for it. Let's go for it. Al Swearengen as the next Arsenal manager. Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely on board with that. I can't wait to see it. Uh, hopefully, that will, <laughs> hopefully that will happen. Anyway, look, we're going to leave you go. Uh, thank you, as ever, for listening. Remember, give us a rating or review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. When we've got... Uh, we've got... Uh, Oh, game on Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll have an extra Arsecast extra. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to wait and see what happens there. See what happens. See All what right. happens. All right. We'll catch you on the next one, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.